What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Guest Friday on Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and you can uh, follow our social pages on Twitter and Facebook for the latest updates. Uh, this week on Guest Friday, John Veneziano is back, and we are uh, again talking about the World Cup, but we are uh, kind of recapping the whole tournament. John, uh, what's going on, buddy? I'm I'm doing well. Still recovering from that final. That was crazy. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was uh, that was something else. Uh, you know, I figure we could probably start right there and talk about the uh, tremendous final that was on uh, Sunday morning into the afternoon. And I mean, I know that a lot of people are calling it oh, you know, the greatest final of all time. But I can't remember a soccer game that I've seen quite like that. I know it, it, it was insane. I mean, it was like the first 70 minutes. I thought Argentina had it in the bag. Mm. France looked dead in the water. And then all of a sudden France get one chance and then boom, it's just like a back and forth game from there. It was amazing. Mm. Yeah. And Bappe happened. Yeah, he did. He had he a hat. Can you imagine scoring a seconds? I know. Could you imagine scoring a hat trick in a final? That's at the age of 23. That's unbelievable yeah uh, yeah that it's just there's so many adjectives for for that performance for you know Messi's performance for just the mm. game I mean holy cow yeah I mean so many headlines I mean you talk about like Messi and Mbappe like mm. I thought maybe it might be a passing of the torch moment from Messi as like the greatest player of the last generation to Mbappe who's gonna be the greatest player of this next generation but mm. Messi said not so fast I mean his time's not up yet so I mean, it was it was incredible performance and brilliant individual performances, and people aren't going to forget that game anytime soon. Oh no, absolutely not! And I think like not only is this a game that went into the extra time, but both both teams scored in the extra time, mm-hmm. which doesn't usually happen. I mean, usually in a final that that we've seen go to extra time, you know, the winner scores once, yeah, the team scores once, goes to you know, the penalty kicks and, you know, the Argentinian goalkeeper of Martinez was something else. Oh, he was, I mean, yeah, you can say he was something else in multiple regards. He, yeah. uh, that, that save he made an extra time, I think was one of the greatest saves I've ever seen. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. On, on Cola Milani, I thought he had a, a clear goal and he just stuck out his leg and it was unbelievable. Messi mm-hmm. doesn't win it without that play. Exactly. Yeah. I think a lot of people forget that, France almost won at the end of the. I know. Uh, the the extra time. Yeah, I mean, like I said, France played like, I mean, for the first three quarters of the game, just played like they did not show up at all, and then all of a sudden it just boom, like, like almost like if you're watching like the Chiefs in the NFL with 30 seconds left in the second half, you know, they just you can go down the field in two seconds and win you the game. Yeah. 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 Absolutely, and it felt like. For times in that extra time, it was like literally team that they were getting chances left and right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my God, like every time a team went up the field, there's going to be a chance to score. Yeah, I know. And even after that save by Martinez, I mean, Argentina went right back up the field and had a clear chance mm-hmm. that unfortunately um, Martinez uh, put a little bit wide off of his head. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little bit wide might be a bit generous, but um, yeah. It, it was for the taking, and it was just an absolute slugfest between two 
you know, world giants of the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, super happy to see Messi finally get to lift the World Cup because that was the one thing in his trophy cabinet that he did not have. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the country of Argentina, you know, just went crazy with that uh, with that parade, you know. Yeah, that was nuts. Oh, the cel- Some of the videos that you would see on Twitter for that were just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, just the square in, in Buenos Aires was just insane. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the third place game wasn't too shabby either. You yeah. Croatia coming away with a third place finish, you know, four years after being the runner up. And then Morocco, I mean, clearly kind of the one of the, if not the story of the tournament. Yeah. I mean, Morocco stunned me because the U.S. smacked them three nothing before the World Cup. Like, and it wasn't even close. And all they needed to do is change managers and put a few new personnel in there. And they were like a totally different team. So, um, and then, yeah, like you said, Croatia just complete, just continues to just punch above their weight. Um, Mm -hmm. It's the third time they've been third place or higher in the last seven World Cups. And considering that country only has 4 million people, it's a pretty amazing accomplishment when you look at that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a, you know, good weekend for those final two games. Um, and I thought just the knockout round was really exciting to watch. You know, I think uh, the group stage wrapped up quickly enough where it was like, okay, I think we're ready to move on to, you know, games that are, you know, matter more, obviously. Yeah, a little bit more meaningful. Right. Yeah, exactly. So um, now that kind of we've seen the whole tournament come and go, it's been, you know, a month or so of games. What are some kind of, headlines for you after this tournament was over or you know things that you noticed or players that did well or just just anything well I mean the big headline of course you know Messi winning the World Cup obviously is the big thing I feel like at this point you know people make the debate between him and Ronaldo and I will admit I'm a big Ronaldo fan but you know after seeing Messi finally lift the trophy I think kind of the debate is over um and when you look at uh, Ronaldo in this tournament, he was kind of a um, just a spectator, really, for Portugal, um, yeah. which was kind of a surprise. Um, but I mean, I think from the quarterfinals on, it was just an incredible tournament. Um, you know, teams like the Netherlands, too, that beat the U.S. 3-1 in the round of 16. Um, you know, they took Argentina all the way to a penalty shootout. That game was insane, too, in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. And you know, seeing them take the champions all the way to the brink makes me feel a little bit better about the U.S. loss, um, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but really, when you get down to those final eight teams, it's kind of a crapshoot of who's actually going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of luck because all these teams are so skilled and they're all so high level that it really could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we learned a lot of things about uh, the importance of having good quality depth on your team. And the importance of having guys that are in really good positions for their clubs and to fill your entire team with those players, because ultimately the quality is what raises you to the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think nothing was more obvious than kind of the, the France team and just the ability that they had so much depth that I think coming into the tournament, they were missing two or three of their like high quality players. Yeah, they were missing uh, Benzema for Real Madrid, who won the Ballon d'Or as the world's best player. He didn't play at all in this tournament. Uh, Paul Pogba, uh, one of the better midfielders when he's healthy, wasn't playing in Golo Kante for Chelsea, um, didn't play for them either. So, I mean, you could fill that France team with about four to five 
team's really quality players. That's how deep they are. So no surprise that they got as far as they did. Yeah. Um, and they, they're continuing to just be a juggernaut in, in developing guys and getting them to that high of a level. Mm-hmm. I think I was also impressed with Argentina's depth. I mean, I feel like the last couple World Cups that I've seen, it's like Messi and Di Maria. But then again, he's not always healthy, I feel like. You know, That's... he gets three games in the World Cup, too. Yeah, and usually in order to kind of get them over the line, Messi has to carry the team. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he did carry them kind of in the final. You could make that that claim. But there are a ton of supplementary guys on that Argentina team that stepped up and made big plays. And ultimately, when you win a trophy and you win a championship, you're going to need that to happen in any sport. Um, so it was good to see that finally click for that team. Um yeah. And I want to give props to the Argentina's coach. Never had been a coach at the international level before. Mm-hmm. Decides to take this team all the way to the World Cup final and win it. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I also thought that there were a couple teams that, you know, bowed out in, in shootouts in the round of 16 or the quarterfinals. I was kind of surprised. You know, Spain and Brazil went out, I think, a lot earlier than a lot of us expected. Yeah, absolutely. I had Brazil, you know, making it all the way to the final at the beginning of the tournament. So mm-hmm. I was shocked to see them out in the quarters. And mm-hmm. then, you know, it seemed like Germany who got eliminated in the group stage. I mean, um, that's a team with a ton of a ton of history and they haven't gotten out of the group in the last two World Cups. Mm-hmm. So there are definitely a lot of, you know, I think when we boiled down to the end, it was pretty, you know, expected in terms of who was there. But there were definitely a lot of surprises along the way, and it was definitely a topsy-turvy tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was a record of games that went to penalties in the knockout stage, Um, obviously at the final, and then obviously the uh, Netherlands-Argentina game you were talking about, which was probably the second craziest game I've ever seen. I know. Just with the way that that went in the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes of, you know, the Netherlands being able to even the, even the game. Yeah. I like literally on the last kick of the game to even the game on that free kick, that was unbelievable how they drew that up. Um, So that's almost like when you drop a trick play at the goal line, you never expect it to actually work and it finally goes in. Um, So that was amazing. It was incredible. Were there any uh, players that we haven't mentioned that were like really impressive? Um, I think, you know, when you look at the teams, I think for Croatia, uh, if you look at how Luka Modric played, um, he's arguably one of the greatest midfielders of his generation at at the age of 37, too, which is running everything down. He was making all the right plays. Every pass had the right weight on it. It was just, you know, he's he's like he's aging like fine wine. So it was really impressive to see that on display. Um, And I think. Also, for, you know, looking at kind of the teams that were there for Morocco, I think uh, Hakim Ziyech put together a really good tournament, um, which, you know, for a lot of Chelsea fans might be surprising considering that he never plays for Chelsea. um, But he was finally put in a spot where he could do something. And, you know, he looked like the player that everybody expected him to be. Um, and, you know, a lot of really great performances to kind of delve in. For Croatia, too, Vardy all the defender, 20 years old, um, arguably the best defender at the tournament. Um, didn't look like he put a foot wrong the whole tournament, other than on Messi's goal um, that he scored against them. But um, 
definitely he's one to watch out for. I think he's primed to be one of the next great defenders coming out of the world. So um, definitely a lot of guys to point out, but those guys in particular. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, now kind of switching gears and talking about the U.S. team, you know, obviously we're able to advance through the group, you know, getting to second place with a couple of draws and a uh, heart-stopping win against Iran to advance, you know, and then going out in the round of 16 against the Netherlands. What are kind of just your overall thoughts of, you know, how they performed, like your evaluation? Yeah. So, I, th I mean, I think um, for the U.S., it was definitely a good stepping stone just to get back to the World Cup to qualify for the tournament was the main goal, and they got there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you have the quality of players that the U.S. has, you, you expect them to get out of the group, but maybe past that, maybe not go much further. Um, and so in that way, they kind of met expectations, I would say. Um, I wouldn't say they underperformed expectations wise. I wouldn't say they overperformed expectations wise. It's about kind of what you expect when the U.S. makes a World Cup. Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, I mean, they could have. The game against the Netherlands, they may have lost 3-1, but they had plenty of chances to, to potentially win that game um, as well. And I think a lot of that comes with experience. Um, a lot of those guys for the Netherlands have, you know, have been there and done that for, you know, the national team, for their club teams. And the U.S. had the second youngest team at the World Cup. I mean, if you took Tim Ream out of the equation, we would have been the youngest team at the World Cup by far. Um, so... When you look at it through that lens, it's really exciting to look forward to the future and look to the next World Cup, because that's when a lot of those guys are going to be coming into their prime. Mm -hmm. um, and we have it at home. So uh, that's another, you know, yeah, I think you, for that year, you have to expect quarterfinals or bust, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, <laughs> I kind of I think after the, the loss to the Netherlands, I kind of went back and thought, you know, man, I kind of wish that they had found a goal against England, you know, found a, ch find a chance to win that group. But, mm. you know, like you said, I think the getting out of the group, getting to the round of 16 is pretty much kind of what the expectation level was for this mm. group. And I think, like you said, also, it's a young team and, you know, going against a team like the Netherlands who are going to, you know, kill you every, every mistake that you make, you know, things like that can happen to a young team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's definitely things that they could um, that they did really well. Um, and there's also things that they could certainly improve on, um, like pretty much any team at the tournament. Um, they have they have some work to do and um, hopefully they can find some guys and maybe um, <laughs> a new coach uh, that might <laughs> fix those areas. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, we'll see. I think they're on the right path. Mm -hmm. I think I was, uh, you know. I, I was obviously impressed with Matt Turner, but it's like watching the revolution games for years. I kind of, I don't want to say I wasn't impressed, but it was like, Oh, he, you know, does this stuff regularly. Mm. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I mean, it, it's pretty amazing that Matt Turner's also become that number one goalie. I right. mean, I, I don't think I, when I started watching him with the revs and I probably think you could probably say this too. I didn't expect him to be even close to that level. Um, oh, no. coming up i mean yeah. goalkeeper we drafted out of fairfield university um <laughs> played for the richmond kickers the first season that we uh that we had him i mean mm -hmm. i don't think he would even expect to be in the position that he is now so yeah. 
Um, and I, yeah, like you said, I think he played really well, but like you said, I wouldn't notice it because I saw it every week with the revs. Yeah. Um, I think it also just was good to see that, um, you know, Pulisic was able to get that huge goal against Iran and, Mm -hmm. you know, be able to kind of power through, you know, whatever alleged injury he had, um, Mm -hmm. be able to play against the Netherlands. I mean, I think you think about that chance he had early in that game, you know, if he buries that, it's probably a a different story, but I think, Mm -hmm just seeing his ability to kind of captain the team and take them forward and take them into the the knockout stage, I think was just huge for, you know, the team's development and just like him being, being a leader, being that guy that is kind of the, the captain and the one that everyone looks to. Yeah. And, you know, even when he didn't play, you know, against uh, for the second half against Iran after he scored, you know, he went to the hospital after that game to check his injury you know, he was still supporting the guys. And then when they all came back, he was the first one to congratulate them with everything. So you could see how invested he was in making sure the team was successful. Um, mm-hmm. I also want to shout out Tyler Adams for the uh, U.S. team. Unbelievable. Unreal. I mean, yeah. I, the quality that this guy had, I mean, coming into the tournament was already high. But mm-hmm. seeing him on the pit, on the on the field and just delivering like tackle after tackle and just being a catalyst for just leading the team was just something to see and i think you know he's gonna really have a really prosperous career um at this level he's he's made for that high level i thought that he and tim ream specifically just always seem to be in the right place at the right time absolutely yes plays down tim ream's a great shout because i don't think i expected any of that coming into the tournament Mm -hmm. i mean 35 year old guy uh oldest guy on the team yeah um and he hadn't played that well before with the U.S. And then he just decided to be in the, the form of his life for the World Cup. So, I mean, props to him. It's never too late. Yeah, heck of a time to be in your best form. Yeah. <laughs> um, thinking about kind of some of the other guys, I mean, I know that there was kind of a lot made about uh, Gio Reyna and his availability or lack of availability or whatever you want to say. Um, I kind of was curious to get your take on that. Yeah, I mean, the Gio Reyna story is an interesting one. I mean, you know, he already came into the tournament with an alleged injury. I mean, he's been injured pretty much for the last year, year and a half with hamstring injuries um, Mm -hmm. that he had with his club Dortmund. And, you know, when he's on his day, he's probably the second most talented U.S. player behind Pulisic. And, you know, he's only 20 years old. So, um you know, I thought there were times in the Netherlands game where he played pretty well, um, um, but definitely he didn't play nearly as much as I think we all expected. Um, and, you know, there's a kind of a, a, a pretty nasty public situation going on between him and the coach right now, unfortunately, um, that kind of contributed to him not playing as much as, you know, he should maybe should have or could have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I know he's a young player. Um, you know, he does probably need to clean up his attitude a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that, you know, come the next World Cup, we'll really see him kind of come out and be a huge force because he'll only be 23 then. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going forward. He's probably the U.S.'s most talented player. So mm-hmm. um, that being said, I don't know who else is going to come through at the moment either. I mean, that's the beauty of soccer is you never know who's coming through and who's going to make that difference. So mm-hmm. um definitely someone to keep an eye on for the next world cup for sure yeah so i'm kind of glad that you brought that up the next world cup in 2026 about three and a half years from now what are some things you're going to be kind of 
looking for from this U.S. team between now and then? Um, that's a good question. So I, I think there's a couple main things that they need to focus on. Um, one, I think they need to adapt their system to get the most out of their players. Um, I think a lot of times the best team play better than the individuals on the field. Um, the U.S. at times felt like a group of individuals rather than a team. Mm -hmm. um, and I think at times that's sometimes due to the manager putting square uh, square pegs and round holes, for example, or not playing to the team's strengths. Um, for example, we crossed the ball the second most times of any team in the tournament, um, but we have nobody who can head the ball into the back of the net. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're putting Jesus Ferreira on against the Netherlands at five foot nine, you're not expecting him to win an aerial duel with a six foot five Virgil van Dyke. So uh, I think the U.S. needs to kind of adapt those tactics a little bit. And if they're going to play a certain way to find the right players for that, maybe not necessarily the best players, but the ones that work best and to get the most out of their star players as well, because those are the guys who are going to carry your team. Um, I think the second big thing is I think one thing we noticed with the U S was that they're deeper than all the U S teams in the past, but compared to a lot of other teams in the tournament, they're really not that deep of a squad. Um, you know, all the goals were scored uh, by Pulisic doing something. He had a goal and two assists. We scored three times at the tournament. Mm -hmm. um, I think we need more guys at that high level that can make those plays and unlock those high level defenses. Um, and, also have our defenders uh, be able to mark those high level players because at the Netherlands game, we kind of got exposed on the defensive side of things. Mm -hmm. um, I think having that depth and having guys that are from top to bottom in the roster that you can bring on if somebody gets tired and the quality really doesn't drop off as much as it did. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. The player development aspect is important. And the exciting thing is, is we've got a lot of really good prospects coming up. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's an unrealistic goal to have over the next three and a half, four years. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say those two things are probably the big things. Um, like I said, I'd probably, you know, like to see the team go in a different direction with a coach. Mm -hmm. I mean, usually coaches of national teams don't last more than one world cup. Um, I think we need somebody in there with a little bit fresher ideas and maybe who can kind of push the envelope a little bit more, um, at least in the attacking side of things, because we need to score more than one goal a game. Gotcha. Um, who who do you think could be some possible names that they could bring in if they're looking to change, make a change at the the coaching spot? That's a good, good question. Because I mean, I think whatever whoever they decide, it has to be pretty soon. Because um, you know, you want to get that coach integrated with the group as soon as possible and kind of lay it down. And other teams will be snatching up the available coaches too, so you don't want to be left with like the scraps. Um, I think Belgium's coach, Roberto Martinez, he's been linked with the U S a few times. Um, you know, he speaks English. He coached in the premier league. He's coached Belgium. You know, uh, I think he's a good person to have, and he's coached at that high level that those players are playing at right now. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the players in Europe at times had a hard time relating to Bearhalter's ideas because he's never kind of coached or played at that level before. Mm -hmm. Um, I think having a guy in that kind of commands that that level of respect from the players is important. Okay. Um, he's one of them. I mean, you could make an argument for, you know, Thomas Tuchel. I, mm -hmm. I personally would not want to see that, but I've seen people make that argument on Twitter before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a, of the available club coaches and international coaches, there's a few good quality ones out there. Mm -hmm. So 
it's ultimately up to the Federation what they want to do. Um, but um, I'm hoping they decide to go in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Do you think there would be a scenario where they hired Jesse Marsh? I mean, I could see it as a possibility for sure. Okay. I mean, it de really depends on how the season goes at Leeds uh, okay. with him. Uh, I think, you know, he's got obviously a great relationship with Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams. You know, they both play at his club. Um, you know, if, if Leeds survive the season in the Premier League and, you know, finish mid-table, I think he stays. He stays there. Um, I think he's probably a club coach first. But I wouldn't mind seeing him for sure at the U.S. because I think his style of coaching really fits with kind of the U.S.'s strengths. Okay. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule that out. Mm -hmm. So kind of look again, looking further to 2026 with the U.S. not having to not having to qualify for that. Do you think that that like changes their mindset at all or how do you think that that kind of affects them? I think, I mean, it could go, you know, one of two ways, you know, guys, you know, everybody's going to want to play at the World Cup in 2026 in their home country. So I feel like that in and of itself is going to motivate a lot of the players. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, even though we don't necessarily have to qualify, I think we've kind of, you know, laid down a marker and we kind of have an idea of kind of where we want to go. And there's going to be some big tournaments in between now and when the World Cup um, <laughs> commences in 2026. Uh, the U.S. are are rumored to be playing in the next Copa America um, with the South American countries. So that could be a really big tournament. I remember in 2016 when they had it in the U.S., it was a big tournament. Um, you know, you've got Gold Cup, you've got Nations League. I mean, CONCACAF level isn't super high and the U.S. should be dominating at that level. Mm -hmm. um, but really organizing games with, you know, caliber of opponents that you would see at the World Cup, I think, is priority number one. And making sure the guys get those reps at that high level. Um, and then I think I'd kind of alluded to this before, getting those players um, that are pro your promising prospects in good club situations. So playing at those high levels, playing at like La Liga teams, playing in, in the Premier League, playing in Germany. Um, mm -hmm. Get those guys over to that level as, uh, as soon as you can and develop them so they're playing against top competition. Um, we're on our way there right now, but we could be better. So the next World Cup, is it, isn't the field like expanding by a lot of teams? It is. Yeah, so we're going to go from 32 to 48. Um, how is that going to work in terms of the groups? Is that three team groups or how? We're reportedly going to have three team groups. So okay. it would be, I think, it would be what? Uh, Yikes, my math's not good. 16 three-team groups. Yeah. And um, the it would be proposed that only the winner of that group would go through to the round of 16. Got it. Um, so you're going to get a lot more countries that usually aren't in there anymore. You could argue that that makes it a little bit more watered down. You could argue that makes it more exciting for those nations that don't normally get in. Sure. Um, but it's going to be a pretty good spectacle. I mean, mm -hmm. I think the 2026 World Cup is going to break a lot of records in terms of viewership and audience. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, you know, the U S knows how to host a tournament. Oh uh, yeah. So I mean, a couple over the years. Yeah. Just a few. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be really, really good. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, the fact that they're having games at Foxborough, I mean, oh, yeah. regardless of who's playing, I'm going. So oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's going to, it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. So I, 
my I think my message for people is, you know, keep tuning into this U.S. squad because that World Cup is going to be really exciting. And we're really going to get to see kind of the, the cream of the crop in terms of a U.S. perspective in that yeah. tournament. Gotcha. Well, it was definitely a fun 2022 tournament uh, to tune into. And I think, you know, definitely, you know, you hear all the time, oh, you know, did the right team win? I think the right team did win. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, and I think, you know, I think selfishly, we both would have liked to see uh, the U.S. team do a little bit better. But I think that, you know, doing what they did is, you know, OK, not not bad. For sure. I think it'd be a different story if they failed to make it out of the group. Yeah, know, it'd be a different story if they didn't even qualify for the tournament. Yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Um, but great, great chatting with you, John. And uh, maybe we'll get you on to, to talk some revs uh, throughout the season. Yeah, season starts February 25th against Charlotte. Yeah. Get ready. And uh, team the U.S. Uh, US men's team do have a couple of international friendlies next month. They do. Yeah. And Columbia. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of those games, it's going to be a lot of younger guys and guys who haven't seen the World Cup mm -hmm. that weren't on the World Cup team. So you get to see a bunch of new guys come in. That will be exciting. Um, any other final thoughts you have? Um, I Just, you know, get ready for the Premier League also to come back next yeah. week as well. That's, That's I mean, soccer season never ends. So never um, ends. Yeah. <laughs> it never ends. So uh yeah just get ready for that and if you're new to the sport welcome if you're a seasoned vet keep on trucking yeah <laughs> all right everyone uh have a merry christmas if you if you, if you do so celebrate and uh we'll be back with you folks next week